Keeping the Nostalgia Alive show is proudly brought to you by the Hoosier Basketball Academy. Want to improve your game and be an elite athlete? Hoosier Basketball Academy, located in the heart of Hoosier Hysteria, provides an excellent opportunity for student athletes to improve their basketball skills. Their goal at Hoosier Basketball Academy is to provide an opportunity for young athletes to reach their full potential and allow them to compete at the highest level. Using their training model, they believe a solid foundation of fundamentals and muscle memory training is critical for the development of elite basketball players. This can only be achieved if you are mentally tough, have a strong work ethic, and are willing to sacrifice countless hours needed to be the best you can be. The Hoosier Basketball Academy offers high-intensity basketball training focusing on small groups and individual attention needed to improve your game, as well as specialized training and drills done at game speed to push you to your limits and improve overall physical conditioning. One of HBA's goals is to improve the skills and abilities of each player trained by focusing on ball handling, proper shooting mechanics, speed, agility, and footwork allowing you to take your game to the next level. This training is for players that are serious about improving their skills. Hard work pays off and gives you the competitive edge in practice that carries over to games against your biggest rivals. In addition to offering training, HBA fields highly competitive travel teams with many teams qualifying for nationals each year. Visit HBAElite.com for more info. Be elite and train to be the best. Welcome to Keeping the Nostalgia Alive, Indiana Basketball Memory Show. I am your host, Billy Powell. Today with me is Hugh Schaefer. He's one of the founders of the Hoosier Basketball Coaches Association and also a member of that, uh, the Hoosier Basketball Associate, Coaches Association's Hall of Excellence. And he is considered and is the authority on Indiana high school basketball history and especially the sport in Knox County in southern Indiana. Coach Schaefer, thanks for taking some time with us to share your love of the game, memories of the game, and uh, how you fell in love with the game and your, your, your life in the game of basketball with our listeners and us. Well, you're very welcome. Um, so, you know, I, I love the thing, in doing some research, I love the little thing that I saw that says, you're not much if you're not Dutch. <laughs> tell, tell us a little bit about Friedlandville, the fighting Dutch, uh, 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 mom, dad, family, and how you got interested in this great game of basketball. Well, Friedlandville is in northern Knox County. It's, uh, Knox County is the oldest county in the state. And we're about, uh, well, Freelandville is about 20 miles north of Vincennes, which is the county seat. And uh, it's a town, I guess, when I lived there, it was about seven, 800 people. Uh, when I was in high school, we never had, all four grades, we never had 90 students. So you can see it's pretty small. Um, my parents were, and this will shock everybody, my parents were not basketball fans. Now, when I played, they went to the games, but uh, if I didn't play, they didn't go, and, and they certainly didn't go before I started going. And um, so it's kind of ironic that I end up uh, so fascinated with the sport. I did not get it from my parents. They were great parents. They just weren't interested in basketball. Um, I think I was in the first grade, I believe, and I could have been not in school yet, but for and I don't know why, but for some reason... My dad said, I'm going to take you to a basketball game. Well, that was wonderful, you know. 
and we went, and I just was immediately uh, fascinated by the players, the coaches, the fans, uh, the whole array of the situation. Um, and I, you know, I just from then on, and you know, I wanted to go all the time. I'm sure I didn't get to go all the time, but I wanted to go all the time. And there was one other thing: before I could read uh, the Vincennes Sun commercial newspaper each year before the sectional, I had a sectional edition, and they put write-ups and uh, photos of all the teams playing in the Vincennes sectional. And I, I just pour, spent hours pouring over that, though I couldn't read it, but I could look at the pictures of the teams. And that was a great fascination to me. There was 12, 13 teams in the sectional at that time. And just looking at those pictures of those gentlemen, young men, uh, in, in their basketball uniforms was another thing that, that fascinated, which probably people think if you can't read, why would you care about looking at a picture? But I did. Off the top of your head, can you name the top the, the uh, five starters for the 1923 Vincennes Alice's? I can try, uh, if you really want to. <laughs> no, I'm just, it, it, it's just amazed in during the research that, you know. The, the I, think love, I, I think I could, but yeah. go ahead. Oh, no, no, that's fine. It, I, it, it's just amazing, you know, uh, uh, some of us have such a love and a passion for the game. I had a love and passion for the game, but I couldn't play it very well. How, could, how well did you play the game of basketball? Probably worse than you did. <laughs> I played, and I had a uniform and all that, and I lettered, but uh, I, I was not uh, a standout by any means, even at Freelandville. What was, what was the uh, history of the game of basketball at Freelandville before you got there to go to high school? Well, we had, we had been pretty successful. Um, maybe we all explain to the, to the listeners about, about our nickname. Uh, Freelandville and Widener Township, which Freelandville is the township seat, is very pro-German. Uh, at one time, probably 85% of the people living there had either come from Germany or were descendants of those who had come from Germany. And, of course, of course in German, you know, you have Deutsch, which is spelled a little different than our D-U-T-C-H. But for, for some reason... An interesting story. We had a lady in town, which, and I, I can remember, who wrote sports for for the Bicknell, Indiana paper, which is six miles away. Uh, a lady sports writer. I often wondered if she was the first one in America. This was back in the early twenties. And one time in the paper, she put an article headline that that the, the Dutch pulled the chestnuts out of the fire to save the victory. And from that point on, we just were known as the Dutch, and then we were a feisty bunch, and they tacked fighting Dutch on top of it. Uh, but we had we had played in a sectional. The first sectional we played in was in 1918. Uh, but we had a team as early as 1903-1904. So we, we were really pretty early in the state of Indiana for having a basketball team for a community that little. We didn't, you know, even in, in 03, 04, 04, 05 and all that, they played most of their games outside. And then finally they started playing in a livery stable, uh, in town until we got a some kind of a facility with the school. But uh, uh, in 1921, uh, how many listeners have heard of this? I don't know. You've got to be pretty old to have heard of it. But uh, in 1916, the Terre Haute Tribune Star newspaper started a tournament in Terre Haute <coughs> called the Wabash Valley Tournament. And uh, it eventually grew to be the largest tournament in America that wasn't a state tournament. 
and there would be uh, there was 125, 130 teams in it from Illinois and Indiana. And back to 1921, Frillville was runner-up. And then in 1922, they won the Wabash Valley Tournament at Terre Haute. And we had, I believe, 90 students. And all the Terre Haute schools were in it. Uh, some of the larger schools in, in uh, Illinois along the Wabash River were in it. Uh, all of Igo County schools were in it. So it was a pretty big deal. And then, so we were, we were, we were competitive and, you know, we had some good teams. We just happened to be placed in the worst sectional in the state of Indiana, and that was Vincennes. And Vincennes won more sectionals than anybody uh, at one time. I don't think they don't anymore, but before class, I think they had the record for most or second most wins. So we didn't win a sectional until 1941. Then at 41, we, we won the sectional at Vincennes in Adams Coliseum. So we, we've had, you know, before I came on the scene, uh, we had some we had some pretty respected teams, and when I was in the second grade, I always say this was a big forming factor of my interest in basketball. As a second grader, uh, Frillville won 20 games and won their first 17 games in a row without losing. Well, when your team wins, you get you know you kind of get interested in the sport a little more. I was interested anyway, but when they're winning all the time, it makes it even more. So I think we've had a pretty sound uh, tradition there even before I got in high school. Is Friedlandville still a high school, or who did they cons- consolidate into? No, uh, Friedlandville is not, they have no school there now at all. Uh, they they go the high school kids go to North Knox, which is about two mile uh, out of town. When did you first start your? Uh, you know, uh, from what I understand, you have. Um, several file cabinets of stuff that you've collected during the years. When did you first start your um, uh, pack ratting of uh, basketball materials? And do you remember the first like article you clipped out? Do you still have it? And, and how did you um, collect your research? Uh, I don't know why I started it, but I think I can tell you when. I was, I believe, in the third grade. And I don't know why, but I started cutting out articles out of Vincent's paper and uh, and pasting pasting them in a scrapbook, I'm sure it looked terrible. And um, then uh, the first sectional I attended was 1953 at Vincennes, and I don't know why, but I saved that program, and I still got it. And then I started collecting and saving all kind of sectional, regional, blah blah blah, blah programs since. So I would say probably um, second or third grade. You know, back in that time period, you know, when you weren't uh, reading about basketball or talking to somebody about basketball, where did you, I mean, did you have a hoop at the house? Did you guys meet some particular place and play basketball? Was that the only sport you played? Did you like baseball? Uh, I had, my dad put a, uh, again, he probably would get putting it up there. <laughs> my dad put a basketball goal on, on our garage, back of our garage. And so I doubt if I could even get the ball up to the rim, but... Uh, that's where I started playing, and uh, I played there a lot by myself, and then there was other kids in the neighborhood who would come over and play. Uh, we happened to have, on our street, probably a remarkable number, a large number of boys, and they kind of congregate there. Our school had an outside court. I played up there a lot. Um, so so that that's where I really started playing basketball myself, yes. Uh, Hugh, when you were getting toward the end of uh, uh, your senior year at Friedlandville, uh, what I mean, where did you did you did you even think about going to college? Where did you end up going to college? 
yes, I I uh, wanted to be a basketball coach, oddly enough. And, in fact, I wanted to be a coach uh, before, you know, I didn't know. I just went to the games on Friday and Saturday and Tuesday, and there was this man who seemed to be in charge of the teams, and then they said, that's the coach. I didn't know he taught school. And so I figured out along the way, if I was going to coach, you're going to have to teach school. Now, today I know you don't, but back in those days, you didn't coach if you didn't teach. And so I decided if you're going to coach, you got to go to school to learn to be a teacher. So uh, I enrolled in Vin- at Vincennes University right out of high school and uh, went there uh, one year. Then I transferred to Oakland City University in Oakland City, Indiana, and, and uh, finished my degree there. And so when you got out from Oakland City, I mean, uh, did you, did you, did, um, were you on the trail to become a coach? And who gave you your first start? Well, I was on the trail, no question. <laughs> no doubt about that. Um, it, I, I did my student teaching at Monroe City High School in Monroe City, Indiana, which now feeds into South Knox. It's the southern part of Knox County. I grew up in the northern part. And um, I, a student taught there. And when I finished student teaching, the last day, the principal came and said, you, you want to stay here and teach? Well, I said, absolutely. <laughs> and he said, well, we've got a job. We've got a job for you. We'll just keep you. And uh, so I stayed and taught and coached. I, I started out under Joe Todrank. He was my student teacher, and then I uh, assisted him in, in coaching at whatever we had, but mostly basketball. Um, and then... After uh, some time there, then they closed Mineral City High School and consolidated into South Knox High School. And then I went there, and then I never left. I, I spent my entire career at South Knox. Coach, what, I, I read that you have a love for American history. Where did that come from? Well, I don't know. I just always did. I was always even even when I was a third grade maybe, I watched the national uh, presidential conventions on television. Now, what third grader does that? <laughs> See, I'm a little strange. But I, I've always had a fascination with American history, and that's what I knew I wanted to teach, and that's what I majored in in, in college. Uh-oh. And I'm and I'm just about as interested in American history as I was basketball. Are you a firm believer in the quote that those who do not study history tend to repeat it? Yes. I agree with that. So, so tell us tell us about how your coaching evolved into taking your first head coaching your 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 head coaching job there. Well, uh, I when I was at Monroe City, I was as I said under Joe Tograin. I've really been blessed. I've really have been blessed to work uh, with or under however you say it uh, some very good basketball coaches and very really very good really taught me a lot. And uh, I started with him. And then when we consolidated, uh, he didn't go to South Knox. He took a job at Barree High School, which is in Montgomery, Indiana, in the next county, Davies County. So uh, in comes Sam Alford. And some of them have probably heard of Steve Alford. Our listeners might know him. That's Sam as his dad. So I then become Sam Alford's assistant as, as we, last year at Monroe, and then we moved on to South Knox. And then, of course, Sam went to Martinsville, and, you know, so we had some other coaches. And, and then um, I was under uh, Kenny Gray, and then I was under David Luking. And then David Luking left and went to Austin, 
and uh, the head job was open, and I applied for it, and they hired me. And what was it like? Were you were you kind of nervous at first getting your first uh, vars- your, your varsity job, or or what was your thought process when you got that job? Yeah, I was nervous. <laughs> you're, if you're not nervous in Indiana and you're a head basketball coach, then probably something wrong with you. Um, I had turned down the head job at South Knox earlier because I didn't think I was ready. I didn't probably wouldn't apply for it because I just didn't think I know people come right out of college and jump in. But I was that's not me. I, I wasn't prepared. I, I didn't think, and I, I just didn't wasn't ready. And uh, then when it came open, and the next time, then I applied for it. But uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. that I ever coached a game, I wasn't nervous uh, before, and I think you ought to be. It's like a player. If you're not nervous, you're not taking the game very seriously. And and, and your first team, what what was it like putting them together? Did you guys have anybody uh, uh, that was uh, played the game well? And how did you put your team together? What what did you emphasize well, most of? Well, I, I I had a big advantage because um, I coached those kids, especially the seniors, I coached them all in the junior varsity, uh, some of them a couple of years. And, uh, of course, you know, when you're a JV coach, you're at every practice and every game, and so you certainly know the kids that are playing on the varsity, too, and work with them. So it really was, wasn't was hard putting them together because I would uh, I think I'd coached every one of them on the JV, come to think of it, uh, that was on my first varsity. Um, we had a nice team, had some nice players. Um, uh, we got beaten in the championship game of the sectional by the Vincennes Alice's like everybody else does. But uh, that was made it easy because it, if I'd come in as an outsider, I think it'd been much harder because I wouldn't know anybody. They wouldn't know me. See, these, the, I had these kids off, and, and I had them in class. I taught them American history too, so I'd had them not only in the gym, I had them in the classroom. So it made it pretty easy. What, what, what all teams were in your sectional? Now, when I was coaching or playing? Coaching. Uh, it was a four-team sectional, and we might tell the listeners it was before class basketball, and it was Vincennes-Lincoln, North Knox, South Knox, and Vincennes-Revay. Vincennes-Revay is a parochial school in the city of Vincennes. It's a four-team sectional. <clears throat> Coach, t- what did you learn, and do you have any stories about uh, uh, your time with uh, Coach Alford? Oh, I learned a lot, <laughs> and I'm sure I've got a lot of stories. Uh, let's see. Uh, one, I was with him about four, four, five seasons, I guess. Um, he, he's main thing. He's just super competitive, and and uh, he's you know he's a Hall of Fame coach, and he's a Hall of Fame coach because he works hard, worked hard. Um, I mean, for him, he, you know, I don't mean he just worked the kids hard. He prepared. He he was, was uh, really. Uh, and he, he never went into a game unprepared, and uh, just I think the big thing I learned from him was details, uh, details of preparation. Um, uh, I think that was a big factor. But uh, no, he's a great guy, and I I owe him a lot, and uh, I'm lucky to lucky to have been around him. And of course, then he got more famous when his boy became a big time star. So, uh, but no, I, I, I we know the family well, and I know Steve and Sean and his wife and Sharon. But uh, it, he was great to be under. Uh, I just lucky to be everybody I was under as a head coach. I have to say, uh, they were the head coach. I was their assistant. I, I was very blessed. They all were serious, 
I took the game seriously, and and uh, I learned a lot from all of them. But but yeah, Coach Alford's a great guy, uh, and Co- so was Coach Tildrain. Coach, when you uh, in nineteen, did you by half and chance go to the semi state in nineteen eighty three when uh, Coach Alford and of course Steve uh, played in the semi state at Hinkle? I didn't, but I saw it on television. Okay, that he had 50, 57 points in the day game. Uh, yes, and that's uh, you know I there six I call it six degrees of separation of Indiana basketball, and that's. That's where I kind of, uh, I was a freshman at Broderpool High School, and I got to sit on the bench, and I just watched that, and that's got to be, at least in my lifetime, the, the greatest game I ever watched. Well, he certainly put on a, as he said, he put on a clinic. Uh, no question about that. 25 for 25 from the free throw line. Yep. And he had a great game that night. He didn't win, but uh, he, he, had a, he had a wonderful game that evening, 30, I don't know, 30-some, I think. Yes. But uh, 57 against Broad Ripple, yes. Uh, Coach, what was uh, you, you've commented in some of the research that I've looked up that your, 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 your only disappointment is that you didn't win a sectional championship. That's the biggest one, yes. And would you agree that uh, the, com- or the statement that you know, a, a sectional championship to a lot of kids in the state of Indiana is, is almost like winning a state championship? Oh, absolutely. No question. There's no question. And another thing I've always been taught, I guess, or heard, that winning the sectional, you're beating people you know, you're beating your neighbors, you beat people you've probably played in the regular season. Uh, you know, you go off to the regional, and you know, perhaps the other three teams in that regional, you've not, you've never played them, you've never seen them. You know, you have no contact with them. So there, you know, it's not the same situation. The great rivalry comes from beating your neighbor six mile away or ten mile away or whatever. So I, yeah, I agree with that. And then you got a lot of schools that never won, but maybe one section or two uh, never got out of the regional. And I really think that is a that is a big thing. Uh, you know, and let's be honest. You know, Realmville's not going to win a state championship. So. <laughs> To, to win a re- to win a sectional championship, win a game in the regional, uh, that was almost unheard of, and and, and and never happened before, never happened since. What was the atmosphere like at your home games while you were coaching? We had great crowds. Uh, gym seats thirty six hundred. Uh, I'm not going to say there was thirty six hundred every night, like some coaches lie and say, but we had we had very good crowds, very enthusiastic crowds. Uh, the big thing I can see difference. I still go to the games, at least all the home games. And uh, when when I was coaching, and before, even when I was JV coach, uh, we had such a great student attendance. And, and you know, now uh, sometimes we don't have very good student attendance. And if we go on the road, we have even worse student attendance. Uh, that's one of the big things I've noticed. I don't know. I mean, they got other stuff to do, and they all got cars and so forth. A lot of them got jobs, but uh, that the we when I you know. Uh, I can remember a couple times when we played Vincennes at our uh, Vincennes Lincoln at, at South Knock that about Wednesday we we were sold out. We didn't we didn't sell any tickets the night of the game, so that shows a pretty good. And there was more than thirty six hundred people in there. I might add, we oversold it, but uh, that shows pretty well what kind of support you got. When you would travel as a head coach, what were some of the other places that you would travel and? You've you've got a great appreciation and admired the uh, fans' passion for their game and for their high school basketball team. Yes, uh, I suppose 
uh, not that I enjoyed going there, <laughs> I suppose, uh, Lagodi High School, uh, probably when I was coaching, even JV coach, uh, they they had terrific crowds and enthusiastic crowds. Uh, I'm not saying they're better in South Knox, but I'm saying that to go on the road, they, you always kind of didn't want to go over there because you knew they were going to be uh, very active, enthusiastic, and they'd have a lot of people in there. And, of course, their gym held more than ours, but uh, that would be one I'd pick out. Uh, Vincennes was, too. I didn't like going to Adams Coliseum. Nobody else did either, but uh, they they supported their teams. I mean, it would be – you go to sectional in there, uh, no matter who played, there'd be over 5,000 people in there. You know, when going to Adams, I always, I always hated sitting uh, at the end of the basketball court behind the basket. I, I disliked that. Yeah, but that's where they always put you. Uh, so, you know, we just had to kind of get accustomed to it, I guess. But um, now I don't, you don't see that too much. And most of everybody's got their teams on the side. But they always had, always, as long as I went to games there, as a kid even, you sat under the basket. Teams did. What did uh, tell us about your relationship with Coach Jack Butcher and what he's meant to you? Do you, do you have a good relationship with him? And and uh, you know, I, I always uh, think that they should change their area code down there to area code eight oh six. But uh, um, oh, that's pretty cute. <laughs> <laughs> that's neat. I, I would suggest that to phone County. That is neat. Uh, pretty close. Um, I didn't know him until I started coaching, and then as a JV coach, you know, you're around the head coach. And then, so I, I don't know, I just uh, got in, got just got to know him that way and, and uh, learned a lot from him. We, we'd write back and forth, and if I had a question about something, I, you know, I'd ask him, I'm going to play so-and-so. We, you know, we traded scouting reports, and, uh, uh, well, and I guess the closest thing I can say was in my wedding. So I guess that's a pretty close relationship. Um. What you know? While you were coaching, was there? Uh, how did you do your research on the game? Was it all through? Was it all through media and newspapers? Would you hit the library? Um, and was it something that you just looked forward to do? And did you have any other hobbies besides hoops? Well, when I was coaching, I had any, all that stuff had to be done in the summertime because I certainly don't have time to do it during the season or even during the school year. Um, yes, I would say. I have been in the Vincennes Library in front of microfilm machines looking at old newspapers, uh, maybe not as m- more than anybody in Knox County, but I think pretty close to more than anybody in Knox County. I got almost everything off of off of the microfilm of old newspapers. Now, I went to other towns, too. I spent a lot of time in Terre Haute because I wanted to research the Wabash Valley Tournament. Uh, so I Evansville. I've been to other cities, but I probably spent the most time in, at the Vincennes Public Library. Coach, your your head coaching career was was kind of short. Why is that? Well, uh, two things. Uh, one, I might had a, a little son, very young son, that needed my attention, and the other thing was uh, I had high blood pressure, and um, <laughs> uh, doctors suggested strongly <laughs> if you want to not have a stroke on the bench you better get out and so I listened to him so when you did get out how did you was it hard to do that and then what did you what did you put your focus on of course besides your family did you, is that where you started is that when you really started collecting the stuff that you've collected on the game of basketball in Indiana well 
uh, you asked me a moment ago and I didn't answer you. I really didn't have any other hobbies. I don't have any other hobbies. I never played golf. I fished very little. Uh, whatever else got hunt, I never hunted. I, I just, that's all I did. And some people didn't probably think I was too sane, but that's that's what I did. Um, I did a lot <coughs> when I was coaching, but I yes, when I retired from coaching, then I really did a, a lot more, uh, especially when my son got grown up, so to speak, and um, was kind of on his own. Then I and I really started working on it, but um, it's just been natural. It's been easy. It, it's not like you're writing a term, writing a term paper for me. It, it's it's fun. It's not drudgery. I enjoy it, and I always always learn things um, as you do that. And an interesting thing to tell people: if you're going in to research something and you're looking for a particular item, you got to be extremely focused because constantly coming on that screen of those old newspapers is interesting things to read, and you can't read them. You've got to get to your basketball, and you got to stay focused on that. Because you could spend as much time reading the front pages of the paper as you could the sports pages. You know, you, you have a love and a passion for also helping people within the game. Where did that come from? Well, I guess my dad, not basketball, I understand, but he uh, always lived in Frillonville. He ran a hardware store. He ran a grocery store. And he, as I look back, he died when I was 20 years old. So as I look back, he was always doing something for somebody else. Uh, you know, he, he had a, you know, if he had a dollar, he'd give it to you. Uh, he was he was always always he was very good, very good with his hands. Very good. He could do he could do all kinds of things, electrical, plumbing, and you know, and he'd do things for people in town. He never charged them. And I guess that helping others. Uh, not I'm not saying he did anything in basketball, but helping others in general. I guess that's the only place I can find. I'm not saying my mother wouldn't like it too, but she wasn't to the extreme my dad was. And I'm I'm just I guess that's it. You know, I like I help like to help kids get scholarships. I like to help them, you know, get athletic scholarships. I just have always done that, and um, I don't I don't know why, but it's just kind of, kind of natural. Where'd the idea of the Hoosier Basketball Coaches Association come from? Well, that was Jack Butcher's. Uh, he was the brainchild behind it. Um, Max Dean, a, a coach in Indiana, uh, was with us. And we had a lady, uh, Farrell Armstrong, who taught at Lagodi and was kind of Jack's right-hand woman. Um, we, those, those were some of the people. I'm probably leaving somebody out. But Jack and Max and... Uh, myself and Farrell Armstrong were, were probably the, among the first four to start it. But uh, the brainchild of it has to go to Coach Pitcher. And that's, uh, what, 30 years ago, right? Uh, it seems like we first met in night. In the, uh, I'm getting old, I don't know. It seems like we first met in 1985. So whatever that is from 2015. And And how does that help? What all is included within that uh, within the Hoosier Basketball Coaches Association? What does that do? I'll tell you why it started, and I hope it don't offend anyone. But we guys down here in Southern Indiana, and you coming from Indianapolis, won't appreciate that. We always kind of thought the southern part of the state was the stepchild. We always thought we were kind of getting uh, the used clothing, shall I say? And um, 
we wanted to do this to promote our kids, give them a chance to play in an all-star game, uh, name be named uh, all HBCA, you know, district. What we had, we divided it into four districts. Uh, so I think that's the original reason for it, and because like you know, you know, how many kids get to play in the Indiana Kentucky All-Star Game? I guess twelve a year, and probably very few from Southern Indiana, and. So we wanted to get those kids a chance, and this is also it started boys only, but it's you know it quickly was girls. So it was girls and boys, then, and we wanted to get an all star game. We wanted to name uh, all star teams, you know, dist- by districts, and then you might make the district all star team, but not get a play in the game too. But we just get publicity, recognition, uh, get kids some honors that they weren't going to get. Uh, we competing against the northern, northern uh, middle to northern Indiana schools. We started giving some scholarships, um, and and it just if you made that all star team, uh, it was a pretty special weekend. We kept them overnight in hotel, and we fed them, and they got shoes and uniforms, and uh, you know, for some kids not go play in the Indiana or Kentucky series, it's a pretty big deal. Do you do a lot for, or do you, uh, are you associated with the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame? Uh, I help them some, yes. Uh, I've been an associate board member. They have a golf outing every June in uh, Montgomery, Indiana. And I always go over and work that with uh, Sam Alford and Chris May. Um, I've got them a lot of material, a lot of research. Uh, you might find this interesting. I believe this is correct. It was that the oldest piece of uh, uniform that's in the Hall of Fame, as I got them that, it's a pair of basketball pants, and it was worn in 1903 at Fromville High School uh, by my great uncle. And, and when he died, his my great my great aunt gave them to me. And eventually, they got to Newcastle. They're in a case as you go down the ramp at the Hall of Fame that go down into the viewing area. And they were they look like baseball pants or football pants. They were kind of a knicker, and they were quilted material. And the, and the mothers made them. And um, the reason they had to be like that, it looked like a baseball or football pant, really a football pant, I guess, is because they played outside on center courts. And they had to protect their bodies with these. They couldn't wear short pants like we do today, that's for sure. So, you know, I, I got that for them, and they're pretty proud of that. So I've tried to assist them any, any, you know, any way I can. Do you think they've gotten better in, uh, I guess, what am, I don't know what, I, what word I'm looking for here. And in spreading it out uh, to, for the whole state and not being uh, more specific in certain areas of the state, you know, are they being fair statewide with who they bring into the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame and who they induct? Yes, I think so. I think they have. I think to begin with, it was middle Indiana and north. Uh, but I know over the years, uh, I think... I'm, you know, I'm sure somebody in Southern Indiana's got left out, of course, but so somebody in Lake County get left out too. But I, I think they've done a pretty good job. Um, we've got some guys on the board. They've been past presidents and presidents, and so they have Southern Indiana dealings. And I, I mean, I'd like for more to go in from Southern Indiana. But to be honest, I think they've done a pretty fair job. Yes. What is your? I mean, tell us about some of the, you know, the greats that you you coached against. Or you got to watch coach that uh, are in the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame may not be in the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame, but you know you really enjoyed watching as as you've gone through this game. Uh, well, I've coached against Jack Butcher. I've coached against Jim Jones, who was at Princeton. Uh, 
they're they're both Hall of Famers. I've coached against Gunnar Wyman at Vincennes. He's a Hall of Famer. Um, I've coached with Sam Oliver. He's a Hall of Famer. Um, gee, I'm probably leaving some guys out I've coached against that are in the Hall of Fame. But those just are a few that come to mind. Uh, um, those are all great coaches. Um, there's a guy here in Knox County that I didn't coach against, but I watched coach, named Matt Walker. He coached at Bruceville, and he's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, maybe you've been from Indianapolis. Maybe you've heard of Basil Sofredo, coached in Indianapolis, Washington. He played for Matt Walker at Bruceville. He had Downing and McGinnis over in Indianapolis, Washington. But um, I don't know. There's a lot of them. I mean, by the time I got into coaching uh, in the mid-60s, um, somebody said there's not any bad varsity boys or junior varsity boys coaches. And that's pretty – I'm not saying there isn't, but I'm saying – uh, there's not many. Uh, Steve Brett's not in the Hall of Fame, but he was certainly an outstanding coach to coach against at the varsity and, and JV level. Um, Tim Nonte, who was at Lagodi with Jack for years, was tough to coach against. Uh, there's just a lot of them around, and I know I'm leaving some names out I shouldn't. But um, and, and what I tried to do is I tried to learn some. i say one thing about this. Being in the Vincent sectional was not good because you're playing a team that is won so many sectionals on their home floor. But coaching against Gunnar Wyman, uh, I learned a lot. I learned just coaching against him, uh, listening to what he had to say, uh, following what he did. You know, I might not beat him, but I beat somebody else using what he did. So there's been a lot of them. You know, the passion of the game, since I have been following it and all of my research with the game, is that I don't think there's anybody more passionate about the game than those that are in southern Indiana, to the point that the perception is there's uh, jealousy and almost hatred between towns. And is that just because of the love of the game or the, the size of the small towns in southern Indiana? I think it's a little of both. I think the love of the game, I think... Uh, it's very important. I think the smaller your community, and we've lost a lot of that with consolidation. See, if uh, Freelandville was open and they were playing Edwardsport or Oaktown, which they did every year, I mean, there's tremendous rivalries. And uh, I went to church there on the outside outskirts of Freelandville, and there's a lot of kids from Edwardsport School went to church. So we you go to church with these kids on Sunday and then play them Tuesday night in a basketball game. And I think that there's a lot of rivalry there. Um, and I think they want to win. I think that's so important. And, of course, you want to beat your neighbor, maybe more than you want to beat somebody 50 miles away. But I think it's both. I think this is – and really, let's be honest, uh, back in the 50s and 60s when I was growing up, uh, early 60s, um, I started school about 40, 1949, I think. There's nothing else to do. That was it. You go to church and you go to basketball games, and that's that's it. And, and I think – when basketball is that important, uh, well, no matter who you're playing, I mean, you want to show you're competitive and you you don't want to embarrass your school or your town. Uh, an interesting thing about going to a small town, small school, that uh, I guess if you were at Rudd Ripple, you know, nobody, maybe nobody would say anything to you after the game was over. But yeah, I'm telling you, if you got beat on Friday night and you went uptown and on Saturday morning, they's waiting on you. <laughs> you went in the Dutch cafe. They let you know they went to the game and you didn't play worth a dime. 
Yeah. So you did not want to disappoint those guys. You know, and, and I bring that up just because I think Coach Gunnar Wyman uh, uh, has the best thing, you know, with, uh, you know, what he has written on his tombstone. Yes. Yeah. I'd rather be here than in any, I'd rather be in, here than in Jasper, Indiana. That's right. <laughs> Great rivalry. Yeah, that's true. You know, nine out of ten people that I'm going to talk to on this program are going to be against. Uh, the big change that happened in 97 in Indiana high school basketball. But what is your opinion on how basketball changed? Well, I'm that 1% that will be a bad man. I'm, I'm for it. I think it's great. It's, it's, I think it's been, been done so much, particularly for Southern Indiana. It's done so much for what I call your smaller schools, and that's probably 500 or less, 600 or less. Um, these kids have got to enjoy stuff they never would have ever, ever. Uh, maybe if it's winning the sectional or going to the state tournament, uh, they, they they're going to do that without class. Um, same Illinois is the same way. They got a lot of schools over there that have had success. Lawrenceville, which is ten miles from here, Vincennes, uh won state four, I believe, state championships. They probably would never won one without class over there. They never did with it until they went to class. So I, I'm just strange, I guess, but I, I'm a solid supporter of it. Um, people try to say, well, there's nobody goes to games. Well, I went to the championship game of the North Knox sectional last year. Their gym seats over about 4,400 people, and I was glad to get a seat. So, yes, people do go to the games. So so uh, go ahead and comment, too, on what do you think of the game today? Is it is it, it has social media and TV kind of a – uh, put a damper on it, or do you think it's just as strong as it was years ago? Oh, I think it's still strong. Um, I'm going to say something that probably nobody would think I'd ever say. Uh, kids are better today. They're better players. They play year-round. Uh, when I graduated from high school, you couldn't go in the gymnasium after the state tournament ended till October 1st. You couldn't be in there. Well, now, how many games do they play in the summer? They're in the gym every day. They can practice. They can teach. Uh, they play, some of them play 40, 50 games in the summertime. And that's made them be better basketball players. Uh, I'm not saying if I had, not me, but in my era, wouldn't have got to do all that stuff back in the 50s and 60s, that we wouldn't have been better. We would have. But I think the key is, these kids just get a go. We didn't have never heard of a camp in the summertime to go to IU to a basketball camp at Purdue. Never heard of it. They weren't there, and so that. And then you got AAU and IBA. Uh, these kids play a lot more in the summer. Play a lot more games in the summertime than they do the wintertime. And I think they're better. I mean, I, I can sit there and say, I'll tell you what, the best player was 1930. That's not true. He, if he played today, he might be. But these kids are better. And I think uh, I think it's because they are constantly exposed to the game. They can be in the gym. You know, they have two weeks a year they can't practice. Other than that, some of them are in there 50 weeks a year. Was the high school basketball game all you followed, or did you have a favorite college basketball team that you followed? No, I think I've always I've always been a high school man. Uh, I still am today. I, I would rather watch a high school game than a college game. That may sound strange, but true. Um, I just, I just has always, I've always been fascinated uh, more with with that. The, you know, the you say the college kids are amateurs, okay, but they're getting their way paid through school. 
I think that your last real kids that are playing for the love of the game is their high school kids. And I'm not saying college kids don't love basketball, but they're also getting something out of it, some colleges more than others, financially, I mean. Uh, but I just I just always like, oh, well, I watch some college basketball, but I, I really is, would rather go out and see a high school game than I would go to see a college game. Coach Schaefer, with all of your uh, research that you have done, why don't you write a book? Well, I'll answer that. Um, this is my hobby. The only hobby. If I sit down and write a book, then it's a job, and a big job. And I have had many friends write them, and I mean it was a stress on their lives and their physical health, mental health. And uh, then not that that's important, but a lot of them have been fortunate to break even on them financially. And if I sit down and wrote a book, I could, I know I could, then it's not fun. Then it's a job. It's not a hobby. I've got a deadline to meet. I've got to make sure all this is perfect in the book before I go to the printer. Hey, that's a job. Uh, and I, I just am not interested in that. I don't want it to ruin my love of the game. And my, I don't want to say, I hate this, you know. Uh, but I don't, I don't want to admit, I don't even do it basketball. This book has ruined me. I don't want that. So that is the answer. How much? I did want to, ins- I wanted to insert something I didn't want to go when you were asking me about tournaments. Um, I have attended in person the last 62 uh, HSA sectionals. Wow. Without a miss. And that's pretty good. How many state championships have you been to? Oh, not that many. Some, but not not anything like sectionals. And now, I, I know the sectionals are over 60 years, but was there a particular state championship or Final Four that you went to that you just thoroughly enjoyed and just, you know, pops out of your head as you're being your favorite? Well, I, anyone, I think I've enjoyed anyone I've been to. Um, when Plymouth won, I, I, I thought that was a great uh, tournament. Uh, when uh, the Washington Hatchets won, when the Zeller boy made that half-court shot, uh, I thought that was a real good tournament. Uh, hard to pick them out, I mean, as far as distinguishing one for the other. I saw the Van Arsdales twins uh, at Manuel play in 61. They got beat in the championship game by Kokomo, but I thought that was a real good tournament. Uh, it's just hard to distinguish. It's like people saying, tell me the best player. Well, you cannot do that because one, the best player in 1922 didn't compare to the best player in 2012. So it, you just can't pick teams or, or games. But I I really haven't, you know, I've enjoyed them. I've enjoyed all those 62 sectionals. Oh, sure, there was some bad games, but there's also with some good games in those 62 sectionals. How do you sit down and start your research? Is there a is there a certain player that comes to your mind, a certain team, or or how does uh you know how does that focus work? Well, uh, I guess a little a little of the focus comes if someone asks me, uh, tell me I need to know something about Grandpa or about Dad or Uncle Bill or something. Uh, one thing, uh, another fellow and I, Keith Dodes, uh, from Knox County well-known basketball radio announcer. Uh, we've done a lot of research trying to compile a list of all the players from Knox County, Indiana that scored a 1,000 or more points. And we've got a pretty nice list. And I can't say we got everyone, but if you stop and think a minute, uh, you know, I had uh, I had a guy come to me, and his dad had died, and 
He said, my dad always wondered how many points he scored, and I don't have any way how you do that. And I said, all right, I like you. I'll do it. <laughs> and and it, took, it takes about three days, maybe more, maybe four days, if you can get the microfilm machine, to go to the public library and go through every game. And if the guy played four years, and it's really tough, he played three, it's a little easier. And you have to go through every game and write down how many points that guy scored. And then you add them up by years, and then you find out, then by golly, he did score over 1,000 points. Or no, he didn't, you know. <laughs> Uh, that's that's probably some of it um, that people do, that, you know, ask that. But we've tried to work on this thousand point list thing, and, and that that's been a, that's been a major thing. And then here, it really is frustrating for and listeners. Will enjoy this. You're going through, and you got this guy who played from let's say uh, 52 to 56 or 55 or something, and we come along. And by gosh, there's no box score for one game. <laughs> and we go to the big and play, and we go to the Evans, and go to Darrow, and go here, and go there. And somebody didn't call the game in. I don't know who, some student manager, or who to blame. And so you, you're a game short of their total points. Uh, so that, those are just some, some neat side effects. So when you get them, you can get every game, you're really fortunate. Because, uh, you know, there's, there's some guys, we were two or three play, guys played three years. There's a couple games just didn't get in the newspaper. And, of course, those scorebooks have been destroyed years ago. So that's just a little fun thing. That's how I got into it, I think. Some of it, I mean, interested in teams, interested in people. But then when individuals say, you know, could you tell me how many grandpa scored? Well, I can't, but I can find out. Coach Schaefer, so it takes two to three days. If you like the guy, what's it take, a couple weeks if you don't like him? <laughs> that's a great question. <laughs> if I don't like him, I probably tell him I don't have time to do it. So how much research stuff do you have? Where is this? And, and I'm, I'm not being mean or rude, but what's going to happen to all this? Well, I, <laughs> if you'd come here, you could, you'd say, what is all this junk you doing sitting here? Well, I've got at least four, four, four drawer file cabinets in the garage, and I'm not sure I could stuff an envelope in any of them to that full. Um, then I've got boxes and file cabinets and drawers and stuff in the house. My problem right now is trying to find something. I know I've got it. I know I did it. I know all that. Now I've got to find it, and that sometimes takes a while, and I just have to keep looking. And Generally, I find it, but uh, sometimes it's pretty frustrating. Um, well, I've told Keith Dodes, who's a basketball historian of sorts too, that when I die, bring his pickup, he's going to get all this stuff. And I said, I don't know what you're going to do with it, but you're going to get it. So that's that's the plan right now. Uh, I'm I had him taught him in school, so I'm older than he is. So that we're we're uh, hoping, I guess, I die before he does. And, and do you still do research on a daily basis, or or what do you do in retirement? Oh no, I wouldn't say a daily basis. You know, uh, uh, I, in my retirement, my wife still works. Uh, she taught school 30 years, and then she decided she would give that up, and she, she went to work at, uh, for Good Samaritan Hospital. So uh, she still works, so that puts you know a little more of the honeydew on me. Uh, so I do I do a lot of I do a lot of that. I do all the shopping and all that kind of stuff. Um, I've got two grandchildren that live here in Vincennes. Uh, they are involved in just about anything they can be involved in. So I I am a chauffeur for them many days and. I take them to practice or pick them up from this or take them here and, and I try to go watch them play as much as I can. So I'll say this, 
I don't know what I did when I worked because I can't get everything done now as re- as a retired person. <laughs> uh, Coach, tell us a little bit about that get together that you guys have in June. Is that is that a fun gathering? And and who normally comes to that? And are there uh, uh, do the stories get bigger every year? Or is it, just tell us a little bit about that. Is that fun to go to? Oh yeah, it's it's one of the best days of the year for me. Um, Joe Todrink started. It's called the Legends, and we hold it in Huntingburg, Indiana. And, um, and now there's a waiting list to get in. People are begging him to come. Uh, it gets a lot of. Usually there's media coverage there, TV, newspapers, Evansville papers always there. Um, it's just guys that played or coached basketball, mostly in southern Indiana, mostly maybe in southwestern Indiana. And we just come and have a meal and no program or anything. We guys bring scrapbooks. And Kenny Morgan, who played at Huntingburg, has about 65 scrapbooks. And they're not like my scrapbooks. They are professional. He brings those. He'll just love to look at himself 25 <laughs> or 30 years ago or 50 pictures, you know. And uh, it's a great time, great camaraderie. Uh, um, I'll say this. And, you know, everybody's got an ego and everybody wants to brag and say, I did this and I did that. But, you know, that day in that in that establishment in Huntingburg, some of the most um, recognizable athletes and coaches, they get in there and talk and they don't boast or brag or, uh, as Coach Todrink says, leave your ego at the door. And uh, I think most of them do. And it's just fun. Uh, you know, we got people come from California, Georgia. Uh, it's just, you know, they all got Indiana ties. And, and, you know, like they say, if you are a, play basketball in your youth in Indiana, you never really outgrow that. It's just in your blood. And so you get a chance to sit down and talk to guys you played against or you played with, coached against or whatever. Um, and and they're all, it's all very congenial. I, I just think it's a... A terrific thing. We need to thank Coach Fogarty for starting it. But uh, you know, it's it's fun. You you kind of hate the leave is the way I the way I express it. Coach, what is uh what has basketball meant to you in your life? Oh, I guess about everything. Um, outside of my family, uh, my coaches have been my most influential people in my life. Other coaches or coaches I coached under or against have been. Um, it, it's just. For some strange reason, I've just been obsessed with high school basketball in in Indiana, and um, you know, going back to I don't know, we got a television in I think '52. Kids would think that's funny, wouldn't they? We got a television in '52. <laughs> I've watched the state tournaments, and used to you could watch the sectional, regional, and semi-state uh, out of Indianapolis played it. Butler Fieldhouse, Hinkle Fieldhouse, on, you can get it on the Indianapolis channel. <coughs> uh, so, you know, I just have always been inundated with that. Uh, if my parents ever wanted to punish me as a child, they just wouldn't let me go to a basketball game. And that's the greatest punishment in the world. And uh, uh, so it's just it's just been from first grade on, I guess. And, never, and you know, like I say, I, I'm getting old enough. I don't go to every road game, but I try to go to all the South Knox and varsity boys games at home. Indiana High School Basketball Authority, Hugh Schaefer. Coach Schaefer, thank you so much for uh, uh, sharing some time with us to help keep the nostalgia alive and share your memories of the great uh, the great game that is Indiana High School Basketball. I appreciate it so much. Well, I, I'm just glad 
just I'm just flattered, Billy, to, and honored to be on here. And I know you've had some great people ahead of me, and uh, just to be mentioned in their breath is a very honor to me. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you so much.